<laughs> the Rogue Scientist Productions presents Pursuing Your Passions as a Bitch. Thank you, and welcome to Pursuing Your Passions as a Bitch. I'm your host, Charles Dockney, owner of the Rogue Scientist Productions and the author of The World Beyond, an ongoing story on Ken Novella. With me, I have my guest, Jessica Connolly, the founder of The Creator's Apprentice. Jessica? Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being on our show. And like I always like to start our show, I always like to ask, so what kind of got you started in the industry or at least on your project? Um, Pretty much an emotional breakdown and need to escape from corporate America. <laughs> I had always written and I'd always read a lot. But then when I turned 30, I was in a, I'd been working corporate jobs since I was 15 and it was not a good fit for someone who's inherently creative. And so I realized I needed to start finding an escape route. And that's when I went out and started looking into writing and other creative mediums full time. Oh, perfect. And so um, it's uh, you write fantasy novels, business how-to articles, and creative nonfiction. Um, so what's your favorite? Correct. Yeah. Out of the three, I love them all. I really do. Um, each one of them uses a different part of my brain. And what's, what I'm unique in is I'm really good at simplifying and de-scaring business, where a lot of creative people kind of want to outsource the business and be like, let somebody else handle that. And I think my real zone of genius is understanding all of the aspects of the deep creative work, like my fantasy writing, and then being able to de-scary that business side and just turn it around so that it's accessible and easily implementable for creative minds. Oh, that's that's actually amazing because a lot that we like to try and promote is um, just as you're building the business for creatives, it's the 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 portion of the business is like that we like to promote because we know that the creative industry as a whole, writing, being an actor, being a director, you're you're growing your your image, you're growing your your um, your business as a whole, and just kind of doing that portion, it's it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And um, I think sometimes you feel like the creative work is so energy giving, but then um, the business side just feels like sloggy and gross and everything. So my my real work at my, my company, The Creative's Apprentice, is figuring out how to make that give you as much energy as your creative work does. Hmm. And so do you have any projects coming up um, specifically geared towards your message to creatives? Yes, I'm working on a nonfiction book right now called The Oddest Little Business Book for Creatives. And I sent out a test of the opening to my Patreon group and they were so excited. They're like, we need this immediately. We need it now. And I was like, okay, I'm going to actually live release as I'm writing through Substack um, because it's a whole new approach to following creative business in the sense that All of us know the spark that our creative work gives us and how it gives us energy and how it leads us in a creative project. But inherently, our creative work is also leading us in our business. And so what I'm teaching you to do is to refine your creative skills and then expand those to running your creative business. And it's it's presenting it not from the standpoint of like likes or metrics or all of the all of the business stuff that you have to do. This is about tapping into your innate skill set that you already have as a creative and you're practicing there. And then 
translating that to your work and seeing how that can grow and support you financially and also emotionally. Wow. Definitely seems like a book I'm I'm about to pick up pretty soon. <laughs> I can't wait to finish it for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how many books or novels have you written in um, the time frame that you've owned your business? I just wrote uh, one full fantasy novel. That's what I signed with my agent for. Um, and then I've written short pieces that I've had published and won awards for. But um, I am a slow fantasy writer. Like I'm a slow creative writer and I'm a fast nonfiction writer. And so this is the first full length nonfiction that I'm putting out. Oh, wow. And so you're doing the traditional publishing route. Or are you doing- uh, for my fantasy, yeah. I haven't decided on the um, oddest little business book yet because I'm still in the process of writing it. So I, until I write it, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I just know people want it now. So I put it on Substack so they can get it as soon as they want it. <laughs> so um, just so that way my listeners know what Substack is. So it's you're releasing it bit by bit oh, so sure. people can actually purchase and read it as you're going along, right? Correct. So Substack is like an email newsletter service. There's all kinds of blogs, all kinds of newsletters on there. And um, you can either elect to put out your work for free to try and grow your audience space, or you can go ahead and put it behind a paywall. And so um, for writers, it's a good medium for that um, because it is geared towards the written word and it's, it's a searchable you know, database and search engine where you can find other people who are writing about things that you're interested in. Oh, so um, actually uh, Kindle and Amazon just came out with something pretty similar, Kindle Vela, and I'm doing the same thing with my book, um, The World Beyond. I'm writing as a novel, but I'm re- I'm releasing it chapter by chapter through Kindle Vela for the first draft, and then I'm going to go back and re- re-edit it, do all the different things along those ends, and then um, re-release it as a full novel afterwards. But I'm doing something similar through that program, too. That sounds great. Yeah. No, it's it's a really interesting way to kind of release things as you're kind of going along, isn't it? Is because you're you're being mm-hmm. able to release things bit by bit, but um uh it's I mean people are able to read it. People are able to kind of get an an idea about your um style, get in about the information you want to provide for them and use that that information to in this case help them through their business and their creative lifestyle. Yeah. And the other thing that's great about writing and releasing real time is it's providing you accountability, public accountability. And so you have this this imminent deadline because you know people have expectations for you to get the work out there. And so it's a way to keep you on track when you have people who are expecting that project from you. Exactly. And that's that's one reason why I've actually liked doing things through Kindavella is not only does it allow me to have a certain word count that I'm always trying to hit, but it allows me to keep up with um, at least two to three within a month time frame and keeps me on, on track with that. So it's actually, it's, uh, I really like doing it that way. Good. I, yeah. I'll have to look into that. I'm not, I didn't, I haven't looked into that version at all. So that's interesting to me. Uh, no, I, I think there might be a couple different services, but um, I, this is the first time I, Substack is probably the first one who's been doing it for a while. And um, Kindle Vela just started doing, or Kindle started doing something similar, but their program with Kindle Vela is probably less 
user friendly because you don't necessarily have an easy way to get there from Kindle. Um, where probably with Substack, you probably have a more direct yeah. way of kind of getting to it, getting to getting to the right information. They just need to work on it a little bit, either create a separate app or something. Amazon has the money. I know they have the money. They can do it. But they need to either create a separate app or, <laughs> se- or a completely separate section so that way they can actually properly advertise for something through Kindle. So, Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your fantasy novel oh sure the the one that I signed with my agent for is called The Color Eater it's about a girl who is uh, hunted for a superpower that she doesn't understand and she's been separated from her family so she goes to find them by infiltrating a, a research prison uh, when I was little, I was obsessed with 80s action films. So when I finished it, I was like, oh, I think I just wrote myself an 80s action film with magic in it is what I think I did. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. And how long has that one been on the yeah. market? Um, that one's still out because um, I, I have an agent. And so she's working on getting it out to the market still. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Do they have? Um, you can read excerpts from your work over on my website at jessicaconnolly.com. Um, it's got the color eater excerpts. I'm working on another non or another fantasy novel called Kronos and Kiara, which is a time bending. Um, Kronos and Kiara keep dying, but Lex is trying to. Uh, she's only got one life, and she's trying to save it. So it's about these three characters who are all intertwined. Um, but yeah, over on my fiction part of my website, you can read excerpts of all my works there. Oh, that's that's actually really good. And I'm going to make sure that I'm going to put a link to that in our show notes as well as on our website. So anybody who's looking to follow you and any of your work, they'll be able to definitely be able to reach out to you during that uh, right after the show and stuff. Um, no, honestly, it, it's it's Thanks. really great. So how long um, have you owned the company? Um. So I started the Creative Apprentice in 2021, and I I transitioned to that from an editing business. So I had been running um, an editing business. I used to be uh, the managing editor of a literary magazine, and I ran a literary nonprofit. And then I went out on my own and was doing developmental editing work for writers. But what I realized is I was working with writers is... I could edit and help people make their work better, but the mindset issues that they were encountering and the business hurdles that they were encountering was actually why most people were dropping out of the industry. And so my editing business was organically kind of switching into coaching um, to help people through the mindset issues and find a supportive community and everything. And so when I when I stopped doing the editing business, I launched The Creative's Apprentice, where I specialize in simplifying business so people can find the brain space to create. And that's when I went out and got certified as a life and business coach and then started um, really honing in on that, that skill set. Because I think inherently we know how to create, like if we are a creator, we know how to follow our craft and find the right teachers for that. But there aren't a lot of resources about how to set up a creative business and the mindset hurdles that are unique to us. And so that's what I specialize on in my business. Yeah, no. And um, I, I, 
I like that you started out with the editing portion because in that you're, you're meeting a lot of creatives. You get to talk with them a lot in terms of their vision and just kind of seeing the struggles that they're running into. So it kind of really kind of gives you a, a good way to, um, gear your business towards helping them with some of those pitfalls that they're running into. Have you kind of had any issues or run into any pitfalls? Have you been developing your business? Oh, always. It's always a learning experiment. You know, Um, there's a million different ways to grow. Uh, It happened that when about two months after I launched my business, my mom got diagnosed uh, with a terminal illness. And so I couldn't launch how most businesses would traditionally be told to launch because I was taking care of her and wanted to spend as much time with her while I still had her available to me. And so I... uh, I was kind of forced into the position of a really slow rollout, which was good in some ways because it let me kind of test things and see what worked better for me. And essentially, I got like a year and a half of like a beta test for my business. And it wasn't until January of this year, um, really probably until March of this year, when I was at, at the point to go out and start actively promoting and and doing all the things to get your business in front of people. But what was great about that time is I had refined my services. I understood what I, my skill sets were. I'm like super solid in my knowledge base and how I can help people. Now all I have to do is just tell people about it, but I'm like so confident in what I do and how I deliver because I had to do that slow rollout process. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And so what was the entire process that you had to go through to get your life or you said your life coach license? Yeah. So it's not licensing in the States. It's just certifications. Um, Licensing would be more like if it was like a mental health professional or something. Um, But I went through a company, there's a company called Mind Valley that does life coach certifications. And it was uh, honestly... I think it was a four-month-long program. It's hard for me to remember because it's when my mom was sick, so everything kind of runs together through that point in time. Um, but it was it was a multiple-month program, and then you do, uh, like, tests. You basically give coaching sessions away. You know, you do practice sessions and have to have so many hours of coaching with people in order to earn your certification. And then you learn about um, different methodologies of coaching and after I finished that, um, I was accepted. There's a grant program for a, another coaching methodology called positive intelligence. And so I went through their training as well. And positive intelligence was fantastic for creative people. Um, and what it does is it basically introduces the idea that all of us are carrying around like 10 common villains in our head, that there are these 10 voices of like, you know, you have to hyper achieve and get everything perfect. You have to um, avoid certain things. You're always judging things, people pleasing, like all of these different things that are very common. And it teaches you to identify those voices and recognize that they are not your true self, that they're just the exterior judgments that you've kind of assimilated over time. And for for artists and creatives specifically in the United States, one of those judgments that most of us have internalized is the idea of the starving artist or that we're never going to be able to, you know, make a living from our art. Like we've all been told this over and over and over again. And what positive intelligence really helped me do with my clients is break down and identify, is this voice really my voice? Is it constructive and helping me or is it keeping me from that true vision 
of what my inherent creative self knows I want to do. And then it gives, gives me a skill set to switch out of that negative self chatter and to get back into your creative flow state so you can get back to work. And so those are the certification processes I went through. And positive intelligence is, is probably the thing that I lean on most heavily with my clients at first, because it has a really, really strong methodology of getting you to refocus your attention. And what I found is the refocusing of our attention is so paramount when we're actually in the act of creation and when we're in a flow state. So it helps us get into our flow state faster. And that's why it's worked out so well with my creative clients. Wow. And so, um, (laughs) (laughs) no, it's, it's, it's so much terminology that I haven't heard before. I know that, um, uh, being like, could you describe flow state a little bit more? Sure. So flow state is just when you're like writing and you have a really kick-ass writing session and like you're just super in the zone and you're like, yes, let's go, let's go. And like you're all focused and you're just like complete writing zone and you know, you're anybody could walk into the room and you're like, hold on, I'm working and you just like are there. And so that complete focus is hard to maintain all the time. And so, but you can practice, like practice the act and building that muscle to get your focus redirected and redirected. And so whether you're creating, you know, whether you're writing, whether you're an artist, whether you're a movie filmmaker, whatever it is, when you are actually working on your craft of whatever you're creating, there is a state of focus and um, just, you know, attention that needs to be maintained. And so when you're in the zone, that's that's what some people call flow state. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I I definitely understand that, especially in times where I have other other things happening, TV on, everything else, and I just kind of find myself completely focused on writing as I'm doing everything else. I completely understand that. So what is so as you're building yeah. your business and as you're kind of growing and helping creatives in the marketplace, what um, what are you looking to um, get out of it? I just, honestly, what I'm hoping to get out of it is I've had a career that I hated that made me cry at the end of the day. And I just wanted to have a job that I, I love that when I get done, I'm not just completely exhausted and soul sucked and everything else. And this, this is that job for me. Like I happen to have some good skill sets that can benefit other people. And I get more energy out of doing this work of coaching and writing than I do, you know, feeling drained, which is how I felt when I did corporate work. I would come home at the end of the day and I was exhausted and I didn't want to talk to anybody, but I can do coaching sessions all day and just be like, yeah, let's, I'm good. Cause it's real honest connection with people. And I do believe all of our creative work has inherent value that your work is needed there is some person out there who's going to need your words or your song or your movie because it's going to unlock something in them. And so you have an obligation to get that idea out of you, not only for yourself, but for that person who needs it. And if I can help speed that project, that, that, that process up for people, then that's just one of the best jobs there is. No. And I think the same thing. And I think this is kind of what geared me towards 
starting the Road Scientist Productions because um, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, if not, um, uh, our, I feel like our message is the same. We're trying to help the creative marketplace as we're growing along, creating the podcast that kind of helps explain everything that uh, it takes business side, um, creative and um, uh, the that side of things and kind of putting it all and melding it all together. But I myself am learning from doing this podcast, which has been amazing because I'm growing the business as I'm doing it, but I get to talk to so many different people and I get to see all of their all of their different perspectives. I get to see all of their experience. I get to talk to them about their experience. I get to talk to them about where they've struggled. I get to talk about talk to them about um, what they would suggest to anybody who's looking to get started. And so it's it's been an amazing experience kind of growing that, applying what I'm learning and doing all those different things. And so this is why I always like to have this as a very important question on my end when I ask guests is, what would you suggest to anybody looking to get started um, in the creative marketplace? The first thing is, regardless of if you've made any money or not, start owning your identity as a creative, as a writer, as an artist, as a filmmaker. And for example, like you asked me if my books have come out yet and they have they haven't. Right. Like you can't buy my books yet. But that does not mean I'm not a writer. That does not mean that I don't spend time every single day writing, even though that's not available. And so a lot of times what happens is people say, oh, what do you do? And we answer with how we're paying our bills, even if that's not our creative means. But when you start owning your identity of whatever creative medium it is, I am an artist, I am a photographer, I am a singer, I am a writer, then what that does is it emboldens you and it it becomes a part of your identity where it's so inherent in you, the idea of not creating or not writing or not singing is not an option because it is who you are. And when it is who you are, you start to realize your worth. And the first step to owning your worth is owning your identity. And then as you own your worth, you start to get emboldened. And as you invest time and money in yourself, you realize, I want other people to invest time and money in me. And ultimately, that gives you the courage to start asking for what you're worth monetarily, which will allow you to transition out of that position of having a day job you may not like. No, and I think that that's great. And when it comes to the conversation of uh, even being a writer or being a writer and an author, there's always this one saying I always like to bring up. And it's... it was said by B. Dave Walters on a different podcast. Um, their podcast is called Writing About Dragons and Shit. But when it was, when it came up to the difference between being a writer and being an author, it was that if anybody has paid you to write something or has paid to read your work, then you are an author. After that, it is strictly scale. And that has always stuck with me when it came to anything, when it comes to writing, when it comes to being an author, that that's, that that's perfect. Because if you've been paid for someone to read your work, then you're, you're that. And to own that and to hold on to that for, for everything, um, I, I, I always kind of keep that in mind. I think that's true, but I want to add a caveat that being paid does not just mean monetarily. 
sometimes when we're first starting out, there are different ways to gain our confidence. And one of the ways is by getting our work published somewhere, like in the newspaper, like in Kansas City. Like if you get published the first time and that's the first time you see your name in print, like you've been published with a byline and you have writing credits you can start putting out there. There's also, um, so there's a very important writer industry person named Jane Friedman, right? And so Jane Friedman writes for writers about the industry and she um, is kind of the, the business voice. Like she, like she keeps her pulse, you know, her finger on the pulse of that. I write for Jane Friedman all the time and I don't get paid for the stuff I send her. But what I do, I mean, I don't financially get paid for what I get sent her, but what I do get paid for or in is exposure to her audience who are the exact people who I can help the most. And it draws coaching clients to me. And so you can own your identity. Do not tie your identity to a dollar payment. There are other ways that you're also getting paid energetically that may not necessarily be. And yes, the paycheck is important and it will validate you, but there are other steps that you can take along the way. And so don't, don't feel like you can't own your identity earlier. If, if you're waiting on that paycheck, it's okay. And I think that's a great message to end this show on. Um, Is there any uh, social media, any websites, any upcoming events that you'd like my listenership to be able to follow you on? I think um, Substack, uh, the oddest little business book, if you want a business book like you've never read before, as soon as possible, that's a good place for you. It's all about harnessing your innate abilities as a creative and tapping into that to grow your business in a way that makes sense for you. Um, so over at Substack, the oddest little business book. And then jessicaconnelly.com has all the information about my coaching, my speaking, my company, everything. Um, so if you just head over to jessicaconnelly.com, you can find out anything else you want to know about me and also read my fiction work over on the writing tab. And thank you. As for me, uh, you'll be able to find us on our website, theroadscientistproductions.com, where we have our merchandise and links to my story on Kindle Vela, The World Beyond. You also have all of our Road Scientist social media platforms, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter. The best way to support us is to like our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice and let us know how much you've enjoyed the show. Uh, We've want to thank you for being on our show today, as well as thank of all of our listeners for being or listening to our podcast. This has been our podcast to all of those out there looking to start a new career in the arts, such as acting, writing, music, comedy, and more. Always remember, pursuing your passions is a bitch, but it's worth it. Thank you for having me.